And for a lot of Christians, they're like, I don't even know what to do with the Holy Spirit. I know what to do with God the Father. He's the judge. I know what to do with Jesus. He's the Savior on the cross, rose from the grave. I really don't know how to figure out the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like that thing that you get bundled with your computer that you don't really know what to do with it. I'll tell you what you do with it. His ministry is to reveal the truth of God's Word. And when we read the Bible, the Holy Spirit reveals that truth to us. Hi, and welcome to today's Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. In 2012, an article by Jeremy Weber on Bible engagement published by Christianity Today, over 2,900 Protestant churchgoers were surveyed. The results show that while 90% desire to please and honor Jesus in all they do, only 19% read the Bible every day. Six years later, in July of 2019, the Discipleship Pathway Assessment Study from the Nashville-based Lifeway Research found a third of Americans who attend a Protestant church regularly, 32%, say they read the Bible personally every day. Around a quarter, 27%, say they read it a few times a week. The dangerous reality of biblical illiteracy. That's what helped to set the stage for a two-part interview with Steve Wiggins from GroundworksMinistries.com. Steve is a five-time Grammy nominee for his band Big Tent Revival, worship pastor, and Bible teacher. Well, we needed more time, and that's why Steve is back today. If you didn't hear the first interview, it's available on our website at BotRadioNetwork.com, as well as podcast platforms like Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Just look for the show, Mid-South Viewpoint. Today, we pick up the conversation with Steve explaining why most people attending church have not encountered a real disciple lifestyle, those who actually seek God and believe His Word. But I feel like most of all, I don't think that most people who are involved with church have had much personal interaction with people who really seek and believe the Word of the Lord. Yes. And that has to start somewhere. And I saw the success of that, and as it was taking off, an interesting thing happened. My wife's mother was ill and living in Collierville. We were living in California. Of course, I met my wife here in Memphis. We got married here. My career in the music business took off, so we moved to Franklin, Tennessee, and then to Chicago to help develop the multi-site church thing, and then out to California for nine years. And when her mom fell ill, my wife started saying to me, I wish we could get back to Memphis. And I said, well, there's no way. I mean, I think the only church that would hire me or could hire me would be probably Bellevue. And the kind of music that I do is not really the typical Bellevue thing. I went to Bellevue from 90 to 97 or 8. And so, you know, choir and orchestra. And to my knowledge, that's where they were. And out of the blue, I got a phone call from Steve Gaines from Bellevue. And he said, I'm looking for somebody to help us develop a contemporary music division. So when I moved here to Bellevue seven years ago. I didn't move to Bellevue. Felt like I did. But I moved to Memphis and worked for Bellevue now for seven years and helped develop the contemporary music department that they have today. In addition to that, you were teaching Bible studies too, weren't you? Yeah. Initially what happened was he didn't hire me to teach the Bible, uh, and he was very clear about that. I understood that. But one day, I wasn't here maybe three months or so, he took me to a meeting and he said, tell these guys what you were doing in California. And then he took me to another meeting at Bellevue. And the same thing at the end of that meeting, he says, tell them what you were doing. And Steve said, you know, let's, uh, let's go to Easter and let's go back 89 days. Let Steve send out these gospel devotionals. And then when we hit Easter, then we'll have gone all the way through the gospels and then we'll have Easter. Well, what happened was that became really successful. So, you know, you have a couple of thousand people sign up because it's classic Bellevue. I mean, they scale. They know how to do things yes. big. 
And the people really get into that. People at Bellevue love the Bible. So then at the end of that, people started saying, well, are we going to keep getting these? Are we going to stop? And they said, well, do you have any more? And I said, well, I have the whole Bible in a daily devotional format and that I've written. And they said, well, we probably won't do the whole Bible. Let's do the rest of the New Testament because that's nine and a half months at a chapter a day. And when we finished that, you know, we were probably 3,000. And then by the time I left Bellevue on May 2nd, I think we were like close to 4,800 on a daily email list. And then I was teaching several other Bible studies here in town, all of this in my spare time. Yeah. So after I led them at Bellevue through the Bible, just through a devotional, when we finished that, people were saying, well, can we start again? And that's when I started teaching three years ago at Guest Central at Bellevue. And then that class started to take off. Oh, Steve. Praise the Lord. Let's talk a second to maybe someone listening they look at our nation. They have questions. Is there hope for our nation, yes. hope for our cities, our families, even hope for myself? Does the Bible really have the answers to those questions? If so, how can I discover it? I mean, you're just saying pick the Bible up and start reading it. Is that the first step? Well, kind of. I don't want to eliminate the Holy Spirit factor that we spoke about. Right. Because that is key to understanding the illumination of the Holy Spirit in our life yes. to understand. I think it's important, too, for those listening to us today that might not be in relationship like we're talking about with God. Right. They don't really totally understand the gospel. Can we stop a second and maybe share what it means to know Jesus in a personal way, to know that what he did on the cross over 2,000 years ago is relevant to my life today in 2021? Yeah. Well, it's relevant in on many levels, and it's relevant in the sense that the Bible says that the Word of the Lord endures forever. And what that means is, is that we don't look at society to determine whether or not the Bible is relevant anymore to our culture, right? We look at the culture to see how the culture stands with respect to morality to the enduring Word of the Lord, which endures forever. So culture changes, no question about it. But the gospel never changes. And when culture has a huge divide from where the gospel is and what God's standard is, it's not God's standard which has departed, it's culture which has departed. So therefore, we understand, number one, that the Bible is always relevant in every generation and always will be the most relevant thing. Because everybody dies. We're all going to die someday. I hate to come on your show and be the big downer, but it's true, right? As they say, the statistic on death, one out of one person's dies. And so you can ignore certain things for so long, but then you come to a point where you can't ignore it anymore. And sadly, the Bible says it's appointed once for a man to die and then unto judgment. Some people say, well, all roads lead to God. And in a sense, they do. They all lead to the judgment of God. But the question is not, do they all lead to God, but how do you get past the judgment of God? Because God has a standard. He's not just the God of the Christians, and some other people has another God, because there are many religions. Yes. And yet Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. So there is exclusivity when it comes to salvation. Salvation only comes from one source. That might be offensive to our culture, But once again, culture is not the measurement of what is the truth. The truth is the measurement that we use to weigh the culture. 
So salvation comes exclusively through Jesus. Well, you say, well, I don't like exclusivity. I don't like clubs like that. Hold on. It's offered liberally to anyone who would turn from their sin and receive it. So anyone can be saved. The Bible says in John 1, 12, to all who received him, he gave to them the right to be called children of God, to those who believe in his name. So we know that salvation and a personal relationship with God is available to anyone who seeks after it, who calls out to it. The Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. saved. So all who call upon him. People get hung up on the exclusivity, oh, there's only one way. Well, I'm glad there's only one way. If I was to watch a football game, I'm glad there's only one set of rules. And these guys don't get to play by one set, and those guys get to play by another set. There's officials that are on the ground which govern both teams. Everybody has to play by the same set of rules. And in the same way, God is the God of all creation. He has created it all. As Paul said on Mars Hill in Acts chapter 17, he commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world. Not just the Christians, if they believe in him, not just the unbelievers. He will judge the world by the man, Christ Jesus, and whom he has raised up. So we know that salvation comes from only one source. Whenever I explain the gospel, and I have a little time, I don't want to take too much time, I think of it like a present, right? I'm looking around here. This rock, I hope this isn't priceless, but (laughs) perhaps it is. Um, You know, if I knew that you liked rocks so much, right? I would have thought to myself, you know, I want to buy Byron a gift, and I want it to be special. So I would think about you. What is he into? I wouldn't buy you a surfboard. I wouldn't buy you a tennis racket. Not that saying you don't like those things. I just know that you're foremost into rocks. And so I would plan this gift for you. And not only would I plan it, but because I love you and you're important to me, I would go extravagant with it. Like like I would buy you the most expensive, the best rock that I could find, And then I would package it in such a way that even the packaging signaled that what's going to be inside of here is really important and special. And then I would present it to you. But even if I have planned it and purchased it and packaged it, and even if I just presented it to you there, what if you shook my hand and said, Steve, great interview. I really appreciate it. Hey, on your way out, don't forget the package. I said, no, I gave it to you. You say, no, I'm good have all the rocks I need in life. This is the gospel for most people. And they don't recognize that salvation was planned from the foundation of the world. The one who created the world, he created creation. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he created all that is. And in John 1.14, it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We see Jesus And then the Bible says that he's the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. Now, he wasn't slain on a cross before he created creation. But when God says something is going to happen, it will happen. So I can speak of it, if God says it, I can speak of it as if it's past tense, even though it's still yet in the future to happen. So he was slain because God said he will be slain. But we understand in all of that that Jesus was not just the Son of God, as in God had a wife and they had a baby named Jesus, that he is God. 
right, that Jesus is God. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. So from the foundation of the world, before he created creation, he already set himself apart to pay the penalty for the sin of a creature whom he had yet to create. Even before they sinned, he knew that they're going to need salvation. That's how well he planned this gift for you. And then he purchased it on the cross with himself. Because I've heard people say, well, if God is so loving, why does he have to send his son to do his work? I say, well, you don't understand the deity of the Messiah. You don't understand that Jesus was God made flesh. He himself paid the penalty for our sin. He puts it to us as a trinity because that's the form in which we could understand it. Could you really understand the trinity fully and how it works? No. 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 All analogies break down eventually. But he purchased salvation for us. It's the most extravagant thing ever purchased. And he purchased salvation for us on the cross. He packaged it in the gospel, because here's how you unwrap it. That if you would turn from your sin and receive this gift, you will be saved. The Bible says, once again, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And now it's presented to you. But it's not yours until you take possession of it. And this is where most people are with the gospel. You don't have to convince them. Are you perfect? Because God's standard is perfect. God says, be holy, therefore, as your Father in heaven is holy. His standard is perfect. And we fall short of it. Every one of us knows that we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all know it, if we're honest. Uh, To know that God already knew that. He wasn't reactive. Oh, I had no idea. Well, what are we going to do? And then somewhere at halftime between the Old and New Testament, Jesus says, I'll come off the bench. I'll do something. It wasn't reactive. It was all planned. As Adrian Rogers used to say, there is no panic in heaven. There's only planning. And everything is going according to plan. And so he planned salvation for us, packaged it in the gospel that if you turn from your sin, you can receive it and you can be saved. But the question is, will you receive it? And for anyone out there who's listening to this and goes, I've never even thought of it from that perspective, well, then you can receive it even now. Even as the man said to Jesus, Lord, I believe. Now help me with my unbelief. That's great. My old boss, Greg Laurie, used to say, Jesus cleans his fish after he catches them. So we come to him as we are, but we don't leave as we came. We're transformed in a moment. But now starts the process of discipleship. You become a disciple in a moment. Lord, I surrender to you. Come into my life now. Take control of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And he answers that question. Yes. He answers every single one of them. If we will confess our sin before him, as the Bible says, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then his seal upon us is his Holy Spirit. And for a lot of Christians, they're like, I don't even know what to do with the Holy Spirit. I know what to do with God the Father. He's the judge. I know what to do with Jesus. He's the Savior on the cross, rose from the grave. I really don't know how to figure out the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like that thing that you get bundled with your computer that you don't really know what to do with it. I'll tell you what you do with it. His ministry is to reveal the truth of God's Word. And when we read the Bible, the Holy Spirit reveals that truth to us. As you said, He teaches us. He teaches us in how many things? In all things. And then we gather together in groups of other believers who are also seeking the word of the Lord, and then you have community. 
you know, what we've seen with Groundworks Ministries, and once again, if you're listening, groundworksministries.com, but what we've seen with Groundworks Ministries is that now thousands of people have had a transformative experience when they just simply had a daily appointment with the Holy Spirit, and it transforms church and what it means to be a Christian from a weekly event, which we may or may not go to, to a daily appointment. And when that happens, Jeremiah said this, there's coming a day when no man will teach his neighbor saying, know the Lord, for they'll all know me from the least to the greatest. And some people say, well, obviously that's heaven. I don't think so. I think the Lord speaking through Jeremiah, and only the Lord can be so presumptuous as to assume that the people who are called by his name will be doing what he told them to do in the word, taught by the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, you start to see the donuts go off, the high-performance tires come on. Then when you show up at church, it's a whole other experience. You say, Steve, show me a church like that. You show me a church like that. But this is what the Lord wants from his people, and this is discipleship. And then we have a group of people, each of them independently seeking the word of the Lord together, coming together on a weekly basis or more often, and discussing what the Lord is showing to them. And now we start to see that evangelism doesn't happen from a pulpit. Evangelism starts to happen out there in the highways and the byways because people are talking about it everywhere that they go. And that's really what's driving Groundworks gets in the hearts of people yes. in public places. Yes. Some of the meeting time is online, I believe. Well, COVID, right? Yes. COVID hit heavily. We had 1,400 people for my Wednesday class that I was teaching at Bellevue on Wednesdays. We had 1,400 people. We'd have 400 people in the room, and that was maxed out in the room. Then when COVID hit, you have to understand it's a private Facebook page. So if you go to groundworksministries.com and you look for locations, you can see four different Facebook pages for Bible studies that are in Memphis alone that you could attend. You could actually go to them. But we had 1,400 people on that daily list with 400 people in the room. When COVID hit, on a private page with no advertising, now we're over 2,500 people. So we saw a 65% increase in participation at a daily level, in a season where statistically churches have seen a 33% decrease. Yeah. So that's a, a 98-point differential between one rising and the other falling. So a third of the people who went to church a year and a half ago have stopped going, and they're not going online either. You want to talk about a pandemic, that's a pandemic of people who are retreating from the church and they're saying, well, there's nothing here for me. And I say, okay, number one, that's because you've been conditioned to see church as a consumer and say, well, there's nothing here for me. Nobody's taught you how to be in the Word every day so that you can develop the value that says, not there's nothing here for me, but I'm here for whoever needs me. Yes, 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 Steve. That's what we're trying to communicate here today on this program Yes, for those listening that you're not just a sit and soak and sour. Right. I remember Adrian Rogers used to say that <laughs> coming into the church. No, we're talking about a relationship with the living God. Yes. Through his Holy Spirit teaching us the things of God, through his word, so that we can put where our heart is the treasure of investing in people's lives, serving, giving, wherever he might lead. You yes. know, wherever he leads, I'll go. That's what we're seeing here. So 
anybody really listening can start a community ground group. A groundworks yeah, group. Ground, a groundworks group can be yes. started anywhere, basically. It could be started anywhere. We're in the middle right now of putting together a lot of things. My last day at Bellevue was the 2nd of May. This is what I do. Groundworks Ministries Incorporated is a Tennessee 501c3. So it is a nonprofit that is recognized from the federal government and the state government of Tennessee. I launched it in California. And a few years ago, we uh, changed the domicile to be Tennessee instead of California because all my board members were out in California. And now we have a, a local board of directors. And this is what I do. So this is my life. This is my salary. And, and all this thing comes through the generosity and the support of people who say, hey, I want to get behind this. I want to participate in this. And on, at groundworksministries.com, yeah, there's a place the for people to, to participate. Start, to start there, because there's also the opportunity to receive daily emails from yes. the ministry, too. Yes. Depending on which group that you are in, this morning I taught First Corinthians chapter First Corinthians chapter 6 this morning at Cafe Eclectic down in Midtown. And it's just a group of small group of musicians that get together, and I'm, we're walking day by day through the Bible. But then I'll be in a different place in the Bible on Wednesday morning at the Germantown Plantation. It's like a retirement community, and I'm teaching down there Wednesday, like 10 o'clock in the morning. And then Wednesday night, I still teach the Bellevue Bible study. It was called the Bible Challenge class. I teach that online. And then Tuesday nights, I teach what started at the Bible Museum in yes, Collierville. Right. And then when COVID hit and the Bible Museum uh, went defunct, as it were, the Bible study kept going and growing. And so uh, we meet actually at the home of Henry Hutton. So I teach every Tuesday night out there as well. Is that open for people to attend, or is it only online? It's it's open. So you can either come personally or... Yes. If you go to groundworksministries.com, and you look at the locations, and you go to the Tuesday location, and you join that, whichever location that you're interested in, you join that Facebook group, and then I give information as to where to go and where the address is and when we meet. Okay, so what are the resources available to me now through Groundworks Ministries? Okay. So right now, online, we post a, uh, a devotional for one of our Bible studies, which is just moving chapter by chapter through the Bible. And that is our Wednesday night class, which started at Bellevue. And by the end of December, I will have taught them through the entire Bible. You know, we're rolling through now. We're in Jeremiah at the moment. So we're rolling through toward the end of the Bible at a chapter a day. We'll be done by December. And then we'll relaunch that again in January, Matthew chapter 1. And that's what we're posting on the website right now. But right now we're raising funds because what I want to do is I want to teach every chapter in its entirety of the entire Bible and then make available the notes that I use to teach so that anybody could teach the Bible. I'm not preaching sermons per se. I'm teaching the Bible. So we're going from verse 1 all the way through. Anybody can take that material and make it their own. So I don't have a whole lot more time here, but your background of having a Jewish descent, does that play into your Bible understanding? And We opened up a can of worms here at the very end. Maybe we should come back and share that story. Well, perhaps. I'm going to take your present and put it back (laughs) if you're not going to take it. Um, I was an associate rabbi at Shuvah Yisrael Congregation in Irvine, California, while I was working for Greg Laurie as well. And so on Saturdays, at Shabbat, I was leading worship, and then I began teaching there as well. And we saw great results when that congregation went to a chapter a day 
Bible study with weekly teaching in alignment with that, we just like within 90 days almost doubled. And so, yeah, there is a perspective. There is a way I have approached the Bible, mostly through people that I know, Jewish believers like Michael Rydelnik from Moody Bible Institute and Larry Feldman, of course, with Chosen People Ministries, Mitch Glazer, who runs Chosen People Ministries in Manhattan. We're all very close friends. And I've been to Israel, gosh, a dozen times or so. But there's nothing that I know that could not be known. So it's not like, oh, well, only Jewish people can understand it from this perspective or only, hey, listen, I'm a kid that grew up in a Baptist church, right? (laughs) Anybody can know any of this stuff, right? We have all become new creations through the Messiah, through Jesus. Amen. Amen. And we're all filled with the same Holy Spirit. It's not like, oh, well, this people group gets a little bit more. No, everybody gets the same Holy Spirit. We're all given the same opportunities. Steve, when I was in Bible college, Robert Dennison was a teacher I had that taught Bible study methods was a great teacher, and he had this little song, Study to show thyself approved unto God, O workman, <laughs> right. that needeth not to be ashamed, but rightly to... Hey, I'm not going to sing in front of you. You're well, a, you're doing a great job. But, but that was the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Study to show yes. yourself approved unto God, a workman, who does not need to be ashamed. We don't have to be ashamed. Right. We are more than conquerors through Christ. Right. We can take what He's given us yes. and live this life. If God didn't make any mistakes by making no. a person Jewish. He didn't make any mistakes by making a person a Gentile. We have become altogether new creations through the Messiah. (laughs) And so every person, whether you're Jewish or whether you're Gentile, you have the same Holy Spirit. You got the same word of the Lord there. The problem in America right now, as we see it, is not that there's not good preaching. And it's not that you don't have access to good preaching. Through places like Bot Radio and through the Internet, you have the greatest access to the greatest teachers of all time. So why is the church in such rapid decline? Because people don't have any value for it. They don't have any value for that great teaching. The only way that values are imparted is when the people of the Lord get to the word of the Lord and the Holy Spirit teaches them. Then they live in community with other people who are also in the word of the Lord and iron is sharpening iron. And then all of a sudden, all of the great teachers who they hear here and there, now all of a sudden, it's just like jet fuel onto a fire. And this is exactly, it's not that we have to change everything that church has been and now do a whole other thing. No, do everything we've always done. But if we add this one thing, which is the most simple thing, it's what I call micro-mega. If we focus on the most micro-component of discipleship, one person, one Bible, Holy Spirit, we'll see the church become more mega. There's not enough churches in Memphis to contain it. Steve Wiggins, God bless you, my brother. Thanks. Hey, you have to come back, okay? I'd love to. (laughs) The website is groundworksministries.com. Yes. Okay, go to the website, friend, check it out. That's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.